Good morning, friends. This is Joel Martin with you for the Everlasting Word. Now, we're going to begin a study in the book of James. I have felt led to study the book of James, and there's a lot of things I've needed to study and be reminded of. And I hope uh, as we go through this book that uh, there will be things that will be a help to you. Now, in James chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, we have James's greeting to the people he's writing to. Now, he's writing to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. We don't know exactly where they're scattered, but we do know that the 12 tribes are scattered about in a very, very broad area. And it says, James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered scattered abroad greeting. Now, I find it very interesting and there's a very good explanation for it <coughs> here where James, he describes himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you and I, that have gr grown up under good sound preaching and good sound doctrine, we understand that of the the Godhead, there's God the Father, there's God the Son, there's God the Holy Ghost. But we have to keep in mind who James is writing to here. He's writing to Jews who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, they grew up, under being taught under the Jewish law, they grew up as, you know, when Jesus, when he was walking the earth, he would have conversations with the Jewish leaders, and the Jewish leaders would, would refer to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, but they would stop right there. They would not accept that Jesus was who he said he was, or and, and that he is. But yet, and also, the trouble that Paul had when in his, in his churches that he tried to establish, you, you had Judaizers coming in telling them, oh no, there's more to salvation than this. You have to have circumcision, you have to have this, and you have to have that. So James was sure to point out that I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on into verse 2. He says, my brethren, or my fellow believers, or my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, at first, you read this verse and you think, my goodness, James has lost it. You know, you know none of us like trials. None of us like... Uh, Trials in our life, we don't like temptations, we don't like difficulties, anything that comes against us, and I guess anything that comes against us that, I guess, maybe upsets our apple cart, we, we, don't, we don't like it. But we have to understand, and when we begin to understand the purpose <clears throat> of our trials, we can begin to count it all joy. Now, notice how how James words this. He says, count it all joy. He doesn't say, count part of it joy. He doesn't say, count a little bit of it joy. 
He says, count it all joy when, not if, we fall into diverse temptations. Now, <clears throat> when trials come our way, two things are going to happen. There's, there's, really, there's, no, there's no neutral ground. Two things are going to happen. Our trials are either going to uh, draw us closer to God or we're going to become bitter. But when we understand the purpose of the trials, it can't help but draw us closer to God. The purpose of the trials is to purify us, to get us to be more Christ-like. And one thing that I'm realizing, our trials make us realize how weak we really are. But the, thing, but the truth of the matter is, until we accept how weak we are, we might realize how weak we are, but until we truly accept how weak we really are, we won't fully depend on God for everything every day in our life. As long as we go along thinking, oh, I have the strength for this or I have the strength for that, we're not going to fully depend and trust in God for everything in our life. But when we go through trials <clears throat> and we understand that God is seeing in us something that we can't see in ourselves. He's purifying us. He's preparing us for a work that he has set aside for us. And he's getting us to realize who we really are, what we really are, so that we can fully depend on God. We'll begin to look at him and love him more and draw closer to him. Now, <clears throat> Notice how it says divers temptations or a synonym for that could be various trials or many trials. We don't know how many trials are going to come our way. We don't know. We don't know at what angles they're going to come at us. They're going to come at us from no telling how many different directions. And a lot of times they're going to come at us unexpectedly. We're not going to be expecting them. They're just going to, as my dad used to say, hit us upside the head. And most of the time, the trials are going to hit us at our weakest points or we, where we are the weakest. And that's where we have to realize and understand how weak we really are how spiritually incapable we really are so that we will we will put our complete trust and our complete faith in, in God every day for everything because Jesus said without uh, without me you can do nothing you know <laughs> we can do nothing he said i am the vine you are the branches without me you can do nothing and we have to really accept that not just read it and realize it, but we have to really accept it in our hearts so that we will put our complete trust and our complete dependence on God. And James says in verse 3, he says, knowing this, and this is one speaking from experience. He doesn't say that, you know, I think, I believe so. He says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Well, obviously James was one that has been through the trials. 
Obviously, James is one that has been through all these diverse temptations, all these many, many trials of his faith, and he knows that God is going to see him through. And, and, and James is one that Saul has experienced the end result of the trials. But James says, knowing this, he's confident in it. He's certain of it. He says that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, like I said earlier, nobody likes to go through trials. We could go through health trials, financial trials, the the spiritual trials that we experience, that at least I experience virtually every day with Satan pounding on us. But see, all these things that we go through, sometimes we think, God, where are you? God, you have left me. Where, wh why don't you speak to me? But see, sometimes God being silent can be a good thing because it, it forces us to get on our knees and more earnestly cry out to him and pray out to him to draw closer to us. And through that silence of God not speaking to us, we are purifying ourselves. We are sanctifying ourselves to draw, to draw closer to God. And we're drawing closer and closer and closer. And, and there's going to come a time. We, we, I can't say when. Don't know, don't know the time length, but there'll come a time that we'll be fully prepared for his service. But see, it says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And we understand patience. Well, why do we need patience? You know, patience is something I know that it's not exactly something that we are, we're uh, masters at, if you will. But patience, if we really think about it, and James is here in verse 3, and he, he's one speaking from experience, that's that assurance that God will see us through. We don't know the time length. We don't know how long the trial is going to take. We don't know what we're going to encounter tomorrow. We don't know what we're going to encounter next week. But that patience is that deeply rooted assurance that God is with us and that God will see us through. <clears throat> and then we see in verse 4, he says, But let patience have her perfect work. Now notice how it says perfect. God is working through us for to walk through his paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Anything that God will do work in us will be perfect. It does not mean that we are perfect. It does not mean that at all. But that when, when the Lord saved your soul and he put his spirit in your heart, that that he imputed unto you is perfect. Like I said, it doesn't mean we're perfect, but what God has imputed into us is perfect. And that work that he's working into us, it's getting all those iniquities out of us, those deeply rooted sins that we don't even know are there. But when we go through trials, it exposes those iniquities. It exposes those deeply rooted sins. And it's on us to confess them, bring them before the Lord and confess them and let him cleanse us of them. And then we move on. We keep moving on. But that work that the Lord Lord is working in us will be perfect. And it says <clears throat> that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. 
In other words, that work that God has put in us will be perfect and it will be complete and we'll be wanting nothing. In other words, we're fully prepared for his work. I know in my job, we make automotive seals and as the the parts are molded in the press, they're shaped to you know, in the in the design that they were uh, designed for, but they're not fully ready to go in a car engine or or a car uh, transmission. They have to go through this process called post cure, and what that post cure does it it removes all the other impurities that are in the rubber, so that when it gets out of that post cure time, which is much longer than the initial curing time. When it gets out of that post-cure time, it is ready to be put in that engine or that transmission and to face the fluids that it's sealing and the environment that it's going to be encountered with, and it's ready to go in that application. So a lot of times in our lives, we think we're ready. We're molded. We're shaped to go, but there's still more of sins, impurities, and iniquities that's way down deep in our heart that needs to be removed. And we go through trials, we go through tribulations. Those things are exposed. They're brought to the surface. We confess them. The Lord cleanses of them, and he continually prepares us for his service. And he says, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And it says, if any of you lack wisdom, in other words, your trials may be just confounding you. You don't understand them. He says, let him ask of God. Notice he didn't say go to a Dale Carnegie book or a words of wisdom book. And he said, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. Now, we can look to a lot of places for wisdom, but the, the, the place to look for spiritual wisdom and true wisdom and righteous wisdom is we must try, uh, cry out to our God. But as I look at the clock, I am my time is up. So we will be, next week, we will pick up with verse 6 in James chapter 1. And I sure have enjoyed my time with you. This is Joel Martin.